Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter and what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Ken Napsok with you here on the 63rd edition of the show that takes a look at HBO's Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, the entire world of Ice and Fire, all the books, the maps, the coloring books, the figures, the toys, even those interview clips on YouTube of George R. R. Martin that probably, if you're like me, you spend far too much time just watching. Fascinating stuff. I always find it slightly difficult to record podcasts during times of uh, stress, pain, and suffering in the world at large, or particularly here in the United States of America. But the thing is, sadly... You could probably at any point in time, for any episode, point to something and say, man, you're still going to do a show about Game of Thrones in light of that. And I think it's valuable to go on. It's valuable to take the small joys. Even if you're in the thick of it, the thick of battles, wherever you are with it, I think it's important. So I decided to do the broadcast here today. A little uh, muted, quicker, smaller, not live on YouTube. We'll get there again. Just felt it's... uh, this is the way to do it this week. But one of the reasons I wanted to continue to do a show this week in light of uh, a lot of the traumatic things out there and a lot of people's anger, uh, righteous anger, justifiable anger, is, is because I think Game of Thrones addresses a lot of that. And I don't know if it gets a lot of credit for it. Now, let's say this up top. The production of Game of Thrones, though loved and celebrated here, Perhaps maybe even more than other places. I understand it's not perfect. I think that has to be acknowledged. It's not perfect in the all the casting decisions. It's not perfect in all of the way they handled some of the tougher story beats. The way they even decided to shoot some of the tougher story beats. I'm thinking of the the uh, infamous uh, Sansa Reek Theon uh, uh, slash Ramsey scene. Um, in uh, and and what season five? Yeah, no, not good, not good. And the way it was shot, the way it, the focus and and execution of it, yeah, just I get it, get it. Um, the diversity of casting often comes up, and that's correct. And I get it. The show's not perfect, and I always just feel I, I need to acknowledge it. I think it's important to acknowledge those kind of things when you're about to go into a rather 
um, positive discussion about a show and its themes, which I believe are present. I think it's not for me to completely uh, render this opinion, but I think the show does a really, really good job presenting some tough themes that are present in George R. R. Martin's story. And I think sometimes they're lost. Sometimes they're lost. Or we connect with them in a different way. There's a lot of lessons I take from some of the cold, broken, old white guys in the show that I take and and, and and maybe take a slightly different way than intended or definitely a different way than you out there and from your perspective and your life experiences. But that's part of these shows. We're all going to interact with the characters and the moments and the lessons in a different way. I talked about that a lot. And sometimes it gets really personal. And... After season eight, I found myself slightly, I'll just say slightly annoyed with some of those takes that are so personal, you're missing what's maybe there or you're missing the show's intent and you're applying a lot of things to the creators of the show that they probably didn't put in there, but it affects you personally. But at the end of the day, this show should affect you in that way. That's what this is about. Um, this show presents some really deep, dark challenging themes and you're going to react to them and you might get hurt by them. And that's okay. That's okay. So I, I wanted to ask about the whys or wanted to look at the whys or explain some of the ones that affected me. And this is an ongoing conversation through the anchor app. You can call in and leave a call or two. If you need more time to talk about something that affected you that made you think, that maybe changed the way you approach something in real life, or something that you were taking some kind of joy in from just a fan's perspective on the show, and then suddenly realized, ah, oh, there's a lesson here that maybe, maybe I should focus on. I think it's all there. And some of these, much like in Star Wars, don't have the easy answers. The first one I want to talk about is one that I think uh, it opens up some interesting discussions on the nature of war, the nature of conquest, the nature of taking control and how to do it, what way is good and what way is bad, a little column A, a little column B. But it's a great line that I think sometimes it's it's a bumper sticker line. It's a T-shirt line. And you can hear it. And it's one of my favorite characters delivers it. And you can... You can take it in a lot of different ways, you know? You you actually, unfortunately, can take it in an inspirational way. And we're trying to keep an open mind on how you might take in all these themes. But I want to discuss it. This is actually the reason I thought about it, uh, this this episode, as I uh, uh, stumble through it here. But uh, we're going to actually play the clip here. And it's from my guy, Sir Jorah Mormont. And we are going uh, all the way back to Season 3, Episode 3, Walk of Punishment. And here we go. How many wars have you fought in, Sir Barrison? Three. Have you ever seen a war where innocents didn't die by the thousands? I was in King's Landing after the Sir Khaleesi. You know what I saw? Butchery. Babies, children, old men. More women raped than you can count. There's a beast in every man, and it stirs when you put a sword in his hand. But the unsullied are not men. They do not rape. They do not put cities to the sword unless they're ordered to do so. If you buy them, the only men they'll kill are those you want dead. 
Do you disagree, Sir Barristan? When your brother Rhaegar led his army into battle of the Trident, men died for him because they believed in him, because they loved him, not because they'd been bought as a slave as an option. I fought beside the last dragon on that day, your grace. I bled beside him. Rhaegar fought valiantly. Rhaegar fought nobly. And Rhaegar died. Did you know him well, Sir Barristan? I did, your grace. Danny closes it there. Uh, we're focusing on the line, there is a beast in every man that stirs when you put a sword in his hand. That's one of my favorite scenes in Game of Thrones. It inspires a lot of thoughts. On the surface, it is how she can best take the Iron Throne, how best she can conquer the land that was once hers. It is about the nature of war. It is about what it might take. And Jorah... Jorah dances on both sides to me in this scene. He dances on the idea of the truth. This is this is brutal, and this brutal thing is done, and that's not right. And the Unsullied, being in his eyes not men, would do what are ordered, and you could take this the right way. But he is very right. There is a beast in every man. The Unsullied are still humans. I say that mankind is kind of the use here. There's a beast in every man, and it stirs when you put a sword in his hand, or their hand. And that's, to me, what ends up happening. There's part of the lesson in this. It's part of the thought that goes into this. I think this scene could be analyzed time and time again. Barristan seems to be bristling at the idea of, of, of slavery. Uh, you don't want that on your hand. He has no idea. He has no foresight at this moment into what Danny's got planned. What, what's probably already in her mind by by the army, by their freedom, and give it to them. Maybe they'll follow me by their own free will, and that is the best way. And I think Danny's right in that regard. It's a risk, and she was right. But what en- ends up happening? Again, we're discussing this. The benefit of having all of the show. All of the show in our rearview mirror. This scene actually starts before this clip plays with Danny basically saying, I'm not going to kill innocents. Interesting to note. As she goes on her journey and makes her decisions and is affected by the world around her and loses a bit of who she might have been at one point. Also powerful lessons. Again, I, I love saying, I say a lot in Star Wars, that I don't have all the answers. I just think this scene inspires a lot of thought in me about the nature, and going to the Unsullied. When they finally get to the land, they do discover that there is a beast in every man. And Grey Worm and Missandei and the rest are faced with a lot of prejudices. A lot. Just straight out racism. In terms of Westeros, Essos, and applied to our world. They're faced with it. They discover that there is definitely a beast in every man. It can stir. It can stir when they're challenged. It can stir when they have to question what came before them or how they were raised or what they look and what they want to do with that. It's powerful to me. I think there's some powerful stuff in there. Not for me to fully say if it was done 100% correctly. Again, fully aware of that. But I'm moved by some of the stuff and pained by 
some of the choices that Gray were made, but I feel they were a result of just this very statement. He found that there was a beast in this land, a beast in every person here, and therefore he found his. And part of Jorah's, um, not necessarily a mistake, but part of what he's overlooking here is, is, is his plan is simple. You know, yes, buy this slave army. They'll listen to you. And perhaps, Khaleesi, we can take that world without the normal pain, suffering, and death of innocence that will undoubtedly happen if we go the other way, go the Barristan way. This is a not even a bad angel, good angel. This is just two angels. This is just two devils. <laughs> Actually, it's more that, huh? Not bad angel. Yeah, that's a different devil angel, right? Demon and angel on your shoulders. Whatever, whatever you want to use. All right, all of the seven gods whispering in your ears. You know what I mean. So this thought, I did. I this, this scene was in my head as as we look around the world. We look around what's going on. We look around what's going on here in the states right now. Um, there is a beast. There is a beast, and sometimes one emergence of a beast will bring out another beast. I'm not saying either are wrong or either are right. Definitely not saying either are right. But you know what I mean? It's the philosophical questions, and this show deals with it. It's a brutal land. It's a brutal time. And George R. R. Martin's drawn upon history, too. I often, yeah, I often focus on that with some of not justifying anything that might be uncomfortable for anyone in the stories, but for looking at some of the things that happen in the story of uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, particularly to some of the female characters. Um, again, the way it might be depicted could be a little bit too real and raw and, and exploitive, uh, exploitive, exploitive um, on, uh, on the show. But what remains is somewhat of what George was trying to say. He's drawing from the real times. Um, if it feels like it's tough for a woman to uh, rise above her uh, force status and, and, and grow in power, and even then upon getting to power, um, the struggle that uh, in the way she was treated um, it continues to be there and, and continues to even actually get worse, and the resistance against her in that position gets worse. I I, I feel that, yeah, you're, you're seeing what George put in there. You're seeing what was there and what is there. And, and again, I think that fuels part of Danny's uh, turn so to speak. Uh, Peter Dinklage in that quote, I always reference it. He was kind of addressing that too. Um, not doesn't justify Danny's decisions. She clearly lost who she was. Anyways, this one, I woke up with this on my mind. There's a beast in every man and it stirs when you put a sword in his hand. We are a violent people. How do we get past that? What do we do with that? What does that lead to? Violence leads to violence. When is the violence justified? Is it ever justified? The questions Jedi would have to answer, right? And again, I don't know. In this context, with this conversation, it challenges me. It challenges me. What would I do in this time, in this setting, where conquering is going to be what brings the change? How do you conquer? When your intentions behind the conquering are probably really good, is how you conquer. Tapping into that beast, is that 
more important than the conquering. Mm. Also, it's just a, it is a t-shirt line. But this is what Game of Thrones does. I think it takes a lot of little t-shirt lines, little bumper sticker lines, and we glom onto them and we and we like them. And you can listen to this one. You can listen to this line. And there's probably a part of me that when this first line first got delivered way back in season three, it was like, yeah, there is. Yeah, there's a beast in every man. Let's fight. Yeah, yeah, you can go that way. That's probably part of what Jorah was meaning. So that's the first on my list. I did want to read from uh, our uh, uh, one of our listeners over on my Discord through my Patreon page. Uh, Tommy Terry Green writes, he says, I love so many things about the show and books, but one thing I've often struggled with is drawing inspiration from it uh, that I find personal to me and applicable, applicable in my life. Don't get me wrong, there's plenty of small inspirational moments, a message here and there, but I'm speaking more thematically throughout the story as it's often quite harshly brutal. Justice isn't always served. The good guy doesn't always win. Principles are often forced to be compromised or it'll result in death. But one thing I keep coming back to is Tyrion's message to Jon about wearing your weaknesses in armor. I think the theme comes uh, comes up throughout the show of owning who you are, whether it's the king in the north, the imp, the master of whispers, or whatever. This seems to be something that's very inspiring and possibly the most inspirational theme of the show. The more I think about it in retrospect, the more I feel uh, lifted by this message. And I feel like it's actionable in my life. It, and I've definitely tried to employ this philosophy and own my weaknesses. Uh, and that it's in itself, I think, has become a strength. This isn't really a question. It's just a central theme of the show that, are really, that really affected me, that I've only really discovered in retrospect. I suppose the question I would ask, writes Tommy, uh, do you tend to agree that inspiration is hard to draw from the overall themes of the show rather than from specific moments? I think the harsh realities make thematic inspiration difficult such as life, I guess, but facing hard truths head-on really spoke to me. Perhaps there are more positive, inspirational themes that I haven't picked up on yet, and I'll get to in subsequent watches. It's a great stuff, a great, great, great conversation. And I wonder, it's a conversation started because I wonder if sometimes that's why I, I don't know, feel like uh, Game of Thrones doesn't often lead to those deep, philosophical questions like we we get to a lot over on um on force when we're talking about star wars it's it's easy to kind of it's all designed to be inspirational and there are some tough lessons and tough choices by the characters but it's packaged like a myth george r. r martin wanted to take that myth off the shelf rip out some pages toss it on the floor dip it into some reality and yeah i've heard that a lot Ah, the show's just too dark. The show, I just can't take one more swerve with a character uh, and someone dying. I just want a happy ending. I heard that a lot about like six or season six or seven. Some of the brutality was just too too tough. And again, that's why some of the some of the scenes, uh, particularly with the the um, acts of violence and, and and abuse and assault on the women, were, were were at times. Yep, maybe one one toke over the line. Sweet Jesus, you know, just. Too much to take, and it's hard to draw inspiration from that. Even when they tried, um, I understand the resistance of the moment uh, in season eight with Sansa kind of um, telling uh, the Hound, like, hey, if I wasn't, uh, I'd still be a broken little uh, dove if uh, if um, I didn't experience all that stuff, or I'd still be a little dove, I'm paraphrasing. But, um, yes, yeah, so that, that upset some people, but also inspired some people. And as creators, you just have to put that out there and let it go and see if, see if it happens. And yeah, so it's pretty bleak. 
So I think the inspiration and those themes and those moments, again, going to this Jorah moment, I, I bring this up to ramble through it, not because I have the answers of what Jorah really meant, but yeah, it makes you think. Because Danny starts from this point. Danny starts from a point of justice. She's doing the right things. She wants to free people. She wants to bring freedom into it. And she wants them to fight for her and her ideas of the new world and the new wheel by choice. She definitely starts off in a great spot. She changes, but I still think, as I've just said it to the point, you guys you guys are all probably sick of it, but just, I think it's it's supposed to hurt. But to Tommy's point, yeah, I, I think there is little moments, and I think when you watch them, they emerge. One that was on my my brain, and it kind of relates to this one here, is uh, Arya and the Hound's last moments together in Season 8, Episode 5. I, I love it so much. Powerful to me, but let's play it. Doesn't matter, she's dead. And you'll be dead too if you don't get out of here. I'm going to kill her. You think you wanted revenge a long time? I've been after it all my life. It's all I care about. And look at me. Look at me! You want to be like me? You come with me. You die here. Sandal. That is to me a moment uh, that I draw draw inspiration from um, the journey of the hound. It's not a journey of uh, redemption, and in, in that he suddenly, you know, you think it is when you, when you, when you, when you rediscover him, when we rediscover him, and yeah, we we haven't seen it play out in the books completely, the whole grave digger thing, all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I got to imagine it might go to a similar spot. But this idea of um, he didn't see the light, you know? He thought he did. He tried it. He was trying to live that world. And then, um, you know, Ian McShane and, and, and the, and the, and the uh, little churchgoers there are all murdered. And, and it's like it proves to him, nope, this is what it is. And it's a, it's a perpetuating cycle of, of, uh, of the violence of a, <laughs> of a beast in every man. And Arya's heading for that. And Arya's done some pretty righteous killings, right? You're rooting for it. I still root for the kills that Arya has. She goes on that journey. She goes on it to to learn all these skills. I I, I still I still absolutely wonder, um, you know, Jagan Hagar or whoever that was. Is this part of some master plan on the show to get her ready to go back to to do what she needs to do? But it would have consumed her. It did consume her, and it was about to consume her. She connects with family just enough to go back up north, but is now down here to do what she came to do uh, upon returning to Westeros. And this 
being consumed by vengeance, revenge, and the violence that lies within it, it's a, it's a dark path. It's a dark path. I'm not saying along the way. Again, I'm fist pumping for some of the moments with Arya, phrase, Baelish. I love Baelish, but hey, uh, I'm there for a lot of it. I'm absolutely there for a lot of it. And Arya is never going to be the little lady with the needlepoint that a lot of people were telling her, hey, you know, you know, you can ride a horse and hold a sword, but that's the direction your life will go in. No, man. I don't want Arya to be that. She doesn't want that. If she wanted that, that's fine. She doesn't want that. It's not her. It's not her. But I do not want her to be the hound as much as I love the hound. It's a, it's a wonderful moment. Her, him actually, her actually using his name thank you. It's powerful on the moment. Amazing Williams does a great job. There was there is a release. There's a, a realization there. So amongst this brutality, amongst the flames and the fire, everything that's going on, she um she she absolutely uh comes to a conclusion and, and there is a good conclusion and, and, and walks away from that life and perhaps goes on, we hope, to explore and always be tough. And always have those skills and abilities. Probably use it for justice. Probably use it for good. And again, I believe some of her actions were. But she does not go down the path of pure vengeance. The hound to me in that moment is saying, she's dead. She's dead. Cersei is dead. You don't need to do that. Your list is done. It's complete. And I want it to stop. I don't want you to be me. Literally burned as a reminder of, of, uh, you know, where his life began and the pursuit of that vengeance that's about to be quenched and it'll consume him as well. And it probably already did. The Hound is a character that says, and and, and, and that great confrontation between before the battle of Blackwater Bay, Bay with Braun. And uh, when he's discussing it about, uh, about Ned, you know, oh, Ned liked killing Ron, you like killing. He says that a lot. Killing's fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He liked it. And I think he did. But each death, each murder, each bit of vengeance and pursuit, what he really wanted, it couldn't take away that pursuit. That's right. All he wanted to do was to kill the mountain. And he couldn't do it. The hole was too wide. He couldn't fill it. And he knows it. He tries to walk away, but he can't. And he also gets pulled toward today. There's a little bit of destiny. Yeah, I think it's good the mountain's gone. I think it's good the mountain's gone. But it was going to burn him up too. It already did. And I think that for me is in the darkness a bit of an inspirational moment to your question, Tommy. I, I, I think that's an example. There's a lot more. I don't want this episode to go too long. Um, going back to season two, a cow, pole, a cow pie and the small folk. Uh, riots are an interesting thing, are they not? Uh, there are always going to be t- people that take advantage of them. Sure, sure. But much like we do in Star Wars, I think, uh, much like you should here in Game of Thrones, ask in life too. Not the hows and the whats, but the why. What is the why? Why is an important question. And why doesn't, the answer to why doesn't necessarily uh, justify everything, but you need to understand the why. Tyrion understood the why. Joffrey did not. 
No one in that ruling class did. Do I think it was great that the small folk ripped apart the 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 uh, the, the high priest? No, no, I don't. It's pretty brutal. All the things in Game of Thrones that was pretty brutal. But I think it's important to understand the why. Tyrion understood the why. He always did. Because he was part of that why, right? Going back to even what Tommy was saying about wearing your weaknesses, wearing who you are. It's a shield, but it still hurts him. The words still hurt him. It's still there. He just has to use it. So he understands being stepped on, looked over, not cared about. And he knows it. He sees it in their eyes and he tries. He knows the way. That's why Tyrion is, in the end, probably the best to uh, hold down the kingdom. Why Bran the Broken does his Bran the Broken things. That's why Tyrion's such a powerful character. Um, I think about that moment a lot, especially now. Ask the whys. The whys of the riots. The whys of why it's going on. And then that is what you need to figure out. That is what you need to change or that is what you need to address. Everything else is just a symptom of the why. And that's there pretty clearly, pretty pretty uh, plainly, you know. But it can be spun real easily if you're just kind of watching the show. You know, you hate Joffrey, so hey, ha-ha, cow pie in the face. But you can miss it. And then it turns quickly to Santa. No, that's right about Santa. There's no why in my mind, in my mind, that justifies what they were about to do to Santa, the hound is there. One of his, one of the first moments, quite frankly, right in the show where you're like, huh, something going on there with Sandor that I, uh, I think I like more than I thought. So again, there's no right or wrong answers. A lot of, well, uh, you know, there's, there's always those complications, always those layers. But um, that scene, I think about a lot. I think about what it means. I think about what, uh, Game of Thrones is uh, is often about it is these ruling classes fighting over the throne of leadership, but Jorah says it pretty plainly early on. Hey, nobody cares about that. I am definitely paraphrasing. <laughs> care care about a long summer? Uh, they don't care about the Game of Thrones. That's part of the lesson of the show, and it's often overlooked for these big moments. One that got me, one that I was going down, and this is, we'll wrap it up here today on Cash for the Talk. Thank you for listening for this little quieter fireside chat version. Um, I, it was all in. I love the Night's Watch. I love the Night's Watch. I always say, if I was in that land, that is where I would go. I was all in on the danger of the wildlings. And look, again, because could take this all as real. There's a lot of things the wildlings have done that you can look at and go, well, might cause some sort of reaction, might cause a need for something, right? Um, and I'm in, I'm pulled in in season one of that. You know, what, what, what's one of the first exposures to the wildlings? It's, it's Osha and uh, the two other wildlings coming on down. Trying to kill Bran, trying to capture Bran. Not good. They're not good. They're not painted as good. And they're not good in that moment. But it slowly, slowly starts to unravel. Anosha's got a lot of good stuff. You start hearing more about her life. But I love, you know, tell your brother he's marching the wrong way. Uh, tell Rob he's marching the wrong way. There's all those kind of things. And we start wrapping it up into the bigger mystery of the, the White Walkers and all that kind of stuff. It's not 
until John, again, John has seen one perspective on it, a perspective that is, again, easy to understand and easy for me who immediately looks at the Night's Watch and goes, I, I'd take the black, those damn wildlings. So I was personally affected by the story along the way of the people who just happened to be on the other side of the wall. I try not to. I try not to, on any podcast, refer to them as wildlings. They're free folk to me. It is not until Jon Snow goes and ingratiates himself in their life as best he can, goes undercover for some of it, but then becomes part of them legitimately, falls for Egret legitimately, develops a respect for Tormund and Mance legitimately, and understands them, sees the other side, and knows that there's also something bigger. And they're terrified of that something bigger. And they just want to get below the wall now. And have been for years probably. At the time of the beginning of the story. They just want to get beyond the wall for the safety of those they love. And for the survival of those they love. And it 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 affected me. Because I was all in those damn wildlings. Cutting brand, causing problems. Oh, I know there's some ice zombies out there. Yeah, 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 whatever. Damn wildlings. That line of storytelling works for me. So I love John in the end, going back to back up there. It, it gets me. It, to me, is John's journey away from the ruling and the winning and the politics towards compassion and understanding of people of seeing the other side, and even if there's not 100% understanding from you about their perspective, even if it's at 98%, even if it's at 50%, you see it, you acknowledge it. It's a starting point. It's a starting point to healing. And you're going to face the opposition to that. John pays the price for it. He's never really the same. He dies that day, comes back. Yep. Uh, We might see more effects in the books and the show. You know, you know, his hair's still pretty. I get all that. But yeah, he never really recovers because he takes that stand. And that's sometimes what you need to do. And it's what he learns. He'd have it no other way. I think he really would have gone to that cave and stayed if he knew. But also at the same time, he might not have because maybe he felt foolhardily that he could make a difference. I don't know. I don't know. It's John's journey. It's part of the power of the character. But that is one. And this is the stuff that I want to hear from all of you out in Casterly Talkland. Was there a story, a moment that actually made you um, change or think a little differently about something that you might have been, even if it's just in story? If you're if you're not comfortable enough to attach it to the real world, that's fine. That's fine. That's the value of these stories. That's the value of these tough questions on these shows and these movies and these books. That's the purpose of them. Sci-fi is supposed to be something that looks back on the world we're in now by going into the future. I think it's okay to admit that we as humans sometimes need that level of uh, insulation to uh, deal with what we're dealing with here in the real world um, a little easier. I think that's okay. I think Game of Thrones does that a lot because George R. R. Martin does that a lot. He takes from the real world, and yet we can we can say, well, you know, it's the War of the Roses and this and that. But I think he was a, taking a lot of the wise, a lot of the class structure battles, a lot of the 
um, institutions in place and, and, and what they were doing and, 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 and the, the ramifications. And again, playing on the fact there is absolutely a beast in every man. And when it stirs, that can lead to problems and that can lead to more beast stirring and on and on and on. The wheel keeps rolling, right? How does it break? How does it break? I think that's part of the big question. George was putting it out there. We got one particular answer. We'll see his. We'll see how it does. But along the way for the wheel to break, I think you have to be affected by the world around you, even in, even if you don't fully understand those other perspectives, those other people, those other worlds. I think you just have to kind of learn from things. And I think that's that's what this show does. John's journey to a uh, world of compassion and understanding is one that uh, I hold dear. And it's something that came from the show, came from the journey. So I love it. If you've got one I want to hear, let me know. We'll have this discussion. Was there something on the show that emboldened your beliefs or changed your beliefs or just made you at least think, yes, there is another side. There's never easy answers. That I get, but it is important to ask the questions. And Game of Thrones asks a lot of questions. We'll see you next time. If you want to follow me at Kednapsug, do so. Use the hashtag CasterlyTalk. You can support me on Patreon if you want at patreon.com slash For the most part, though, I want you to go just find some small joys in uh, these dark, stressful times. That's important. Build from there. We'll see you next time on Casterly Talk.